Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thanks for joining us in this episode of Informatics Bites, podcast where we talk with our members about innovation in pharmacy, hot topics in informatics, and new technology. Brought to you by the ASHP section of Pharmacy Informatics and Technology. My name is Stacey Carson, and we will be having conversations with Samuel Ubanyaron, a medication management informaticist at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and Katherine Palmer, a student pharmacist at the School of Pharmacy and Health Professions at Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska, about introductory concepts to cyber attacks from a pharmacy perspective, considering that cyber attacks are increasing and becoming more frequent, sophisticated, and debilitating. So my first question today is for Sam. How would you define a black swan event? Black swan event is an unpredictable or unforeseen event that's typically associated with a catastrophic consequence. It can take on the face of an industrial or nuclear accident, a terrorist action, or even a natural disaster. In September of 2017, we saw an example of this with Hurricane Maria decimating multiple pharmaceutical manufacturing facilities in Puerto Rico, which ultimately created huge drug shortage issues for hospitals and health systems across the United States. Thanks so much for that explanation, Sam. So a black swan event is a pretty broad term, not specific to pharmacy or to hospitals. So now let's turn it over to Kat. Can you tell us what is a cyber attack? Yes, in pharmacy, we're seeing more cyber attack based black swan events. A cyber attack is a malicious and deliberate attempt by an individual or organization to breach the information system of another individual or organization. Usually the attacker seeks some type of benefit from disrupting the victim's network. Cybercrime has increased every year as people try to benefit from vulnerable business systems. Often, attackers are looking for ransom. 53% of cyber attacks resulted in damages of 500,000 or more. Wow, that's a lot of money. Thanks for that explanation. Okay, so my next question is for both of you. What are the most common types of cyber attacks? Let's start with you, Kat. Some examples would include password attacks, phishing scams, and malware attacks. As a student, we learn about these events, but don't see them applied in clinical settings. From my understanding, password attacks are an attempt to breach password protections by cracking or guessing passwords using software, basically using various methods to maliciously enter a password-protected account. Sam, can you educate me with some case use examples? Sure. Let's start off with password attacks. It's become the norm that password complexity requirements for cyber assets to be a mixture of case, symbols, and numbers in order to keep up with sophisticated password guessing software utilized by malicious actors. As a result, health systems need to be vigilant in ensuring that software and hardware vulnerabilities are addressed and patched. This includes pharmacy medication management technologies used for inventory management, decentralized dispensing, and medication administration that allows user accounts to be simple or non-expiring passwords. It used to be commonplace to see vendor solutions with hard-coded username and password credentials. However, as companies and health systems have become more aware of cybersecurity attacks and threats, best practices has been implemented to reduce opportunities for attacks from hackers. That makes sense. 
Password attacks seem like a direct front attack and can affect more than emails. Oh, speaking of emails, phishing scams utilize emails and websites to entice users into clicking a dangerous link that instills malware on their devices. Can you provide more details on this? Absolutely. An individual can encounter a phishing fraud daily where internet online scammers target individuals in an attempt to obtain personal or financial information by getting you to download or click on a malicious hyperlink. It's common that these scammers will impersonate someone you know, like a family member, friend, or coworker, and in the process, send you a link to click on something such as a newly shared photo. They can also impersonate a social media site that you use to trick you into clicking on a malicious link disguised as a social media connection request. Additionally, they can impersonate a reputable organization such as your workplace and send a message to you that resembles a message from a person or organization you trust. There was a time when we received many phishing schemes using remote employment as bait. If we wanted to apply, we were to click the link to find the application. But the red flag was that they incorrectly spelled Creighton. I'm sure if a student clicked the link, they would have activated malware, which installs dangerous softwares onto the host computer without them knowing. Those include spyware, ransomware, viruses, and worms. As you mentioned with other types of cyber attacks, malware looks for opportunities for vulnerabilities and exploitations within your system infrastructure. These include, but are not limited to, one, outdated or unsupported software, two, outdated or non-existent antivirus software, three, systems with exemptions from routine patching or maintenance, four, work or service accounts with permanent local administrator privileges and unrestricted remote access for externally managed vendor technologies. Thank you so much for that review of the multiple types of cyber attacks. Definitely is multifaceted. Sam, can you talk about the phases of cyber emergency management? Let's do it. Cyber emergency management is composed of four key phases, mitigation, preparedness, response, and recovery. Now, mitigation is defined as identification and remediation of things that will cause additional harm in a disaster if not corrected. This includes the usage of email filtering, especially in the workplace, discard spam, junk, or email that contains malicious content. One can strengthen identification through the deployment of technologies that can recognize an employee using their face or fingerprint to reduce the likelihood of a password attack. Multi-factor authentication can also be leveraged to ensure that people are who they say they are by requiring them to provide at least two pieces of evidence to prove their identity. It's also worth noting that software and operating system patching and user education are effective strategies for vulnerability management in addition to increasing awareness and reduce the incidence of attacks. Now, in regards to preparedness, preparedness is defined as ongoing training, education, or exercises and includes cyber risk assessment, cyber drills, and the incorporation of cyber into a hospital or health systems emergency operational plan, EOP. With response, this phase involves the reduction of harm with ongoing cyber attacks, which involves cyber attack containment, reducing patient care impact, manual clinical processes, and information sharing. Lastly, with recovery, 
This phase is associated with the restoration of normal clinical operations, which includes the relaunching of systems and the identification of future mitigation priorities. In most healthcare settings, the recovery phase is seen as the business continuity planning life cycle. Thanks, Sam, for that excellent review of cyber emergency management. It sounds like we really need a robust process. Our last question for today is for CAT. What are some of the common best practices specifically for pharmacy systems? In summary, some common best practices would be based on combating cyber attacks and minimizing damage. We could prevent the spread by using directory-based user authentication, privileges, and privilege revocation. Only those who need access can have access on a case-by-case basis. When less users have elevated privileges, there is a lower chance for a hacker to be able to access the system. Local or generic accounts, like a guest account, would provide easy entry into the system and enable access to anything. Frequent risk assessment and stopping outdated systems or applications decrease security holes that can be taken advantage of. Thanks so much, Kat. And sadly, that's all the time we have today. I would like to thank Sam Ubanuron and Kat Palmer for joining us today to discuss introductory concepts to cyber attacks from a pharmacy perspective. Thanks for tuning in for this session of Informatics Bytes. If you haven't before, I encourage you all to check out ASHP's informatics resources. You can find member-exclusive offerings in the Informatics Resource Center, including articles, standards, and guidelines, as well as practice tools for pharmacy informatics and healthcare technology-related topics. Be sure to follow at ASHP Official Podcast for more episodes and informatics spikes from the section of Pharmacy Informatics and Technology. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.